the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Brown. Well, 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 this is going to be a great day. Hey, welcome back to the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Browning. Super excited to be here with you. Um, This Friday's Interview Friday is a very, very special one. I realize, listen, I realize I say every Friday, Interview Friday is a special Friday. But this one in particular, because some people that I bring to you I've met recently, um, some people I got introduced to, and some people are old and dear friends of mine. Now, this friend is not an old friend, but, well, how do I say this? It's a friend I've known for many years, but uh, she is young and vibrant. <laughs> Let me make sure that comes out correctly. Um, the interview I have for today is one half of a dynamic duo, Miss Charlotte Jacobs of Thrive Academy. Uh, her better half, or I, well, let's see, when I talk to him, he always says that she's the better half, but you know, leave it to them to describe. Um, the other half is Jesse Corin. Uh, Jesse and Charlotte are two people that I met. Um, years ago on the speaking circuit, we were both speaking at similar events and, you know, we just started, of course, connecting, um, and building a friendship, you know, of mutual respect and, and colleagueness. And over the years, we have su- both supported each other's ventures for years, um, sending, I've sent many NLP students over their way to learn the art of client attraction, which is what we're going to talk about today. The art of client attraction, how to attract clients to your coaching business, your service, your professional business, without being salesy. I find if you're listening to this and you're in that boat where you know you love what you do, you're passionate about what you do, but um, it's not really about the money, but at the same time, you're like, man, I'd really like to make money. If you're having that conversation or that wrestling inside with yourself like I did and like Charlotte and Jesse both did, um, I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. We get into quite a lot of cool stuff. So let me tell you a little bit about Charlotte. Um, Charlotte Jacobs and Jesse Korn founded Thrive Academy. You can find them at thrive-academy.com. That's the main website for the company. And they run these workshops called Client Attraction Summit. Now, I've been to Client Attraction Summits. I've sent many, many clients and students over to Client Attraction Summit, rave reviews. They, to me, they're like the pinnacle, the, the, the peak of the peak of service-based professionals and entrepreneurs and coaches learning how to attract new clients and learning how to position themselves in a way that actually makes them as valuable as they really are, makes you as valuable as you really are. Now, Charlotte and Jesse, for 13 years, have trained over 8,000 coaches in the art of attracting clients. Charlotte, you're going to learn a little bit in the interview how she went from being a bartender to Chinese medicine to what she's doing today for the last 13 plus years with Thrive uh, up in, in Santa Cruz. Very, very special people. Um, they have something they call a 10,000 a month club, which I think is just such a cool uh, such a cool award or club to be a part of. They're all of their students and clients who have, once they hit their first $10,000 a month in their business, and this is a lot of solopreneurs, right? A lot of individual uh, business-owned coaches. So for many of us, you know, me starting out for sure, trying to get to a 10000 a month number in your business was massive because what that really means uh, emotionally and physically, it means that you broke six figures. And the sad truth is most small businesses, as they, they launch and start, they never grow past six figures. And then they fizzle out in the first year, five years, or 10 years. And 
Jesse and Charlotte's clients have continually broken that that uh, six figure a year mold or ten thousand a month. I realize that's one hundred and twenty a year, but you know, you know, I'm just trying to make the math easy here. Uh, but they've broken that ten thousand a month club and kept it up there. Uh, they do a lot of work around money beliefs, a lot of work around not not so much like the the languaging as such. Uh, for talking to new clients, but really it's like how to niche yourself. So we talk about Charlotte's story where um, you'll, you'll hear the name. Oh, and, and she says it, I, I concur. It was the worst name you could give yourself as far as when someone says, what do you do? <laughs> so you'll hear Charlotte's story starting out as a holistic coach saying with the what do you do statement and how she's transformed that over the years. And now she and, uh, and her husband, Jesse, teach uh, people, of course, how to have a much, much better statement that doesn't scare people off, but actually brings them in uh, in a very organic sort of natural way. Um, I use one of the things I learned from Jesse and Charlotte, and we're going to talk about that uh, during the interview, is something they call the balance between the heart box and the sales box. And what it means is, you know, on one side of the spectrum, you could get into the heart box in selling. And how that works is, you know, you get extra uh, woo-woo, extra lovey, extra giving and caring and, and serving. And it's all about your heart and, and just caring for someone. But very often the money gets left out of the equation and we do a lot of sessions for free or for way too cheap. On the sales box, and early in my career, I started in the heart box because as you, you probably know my story, if you've heard this at all, if you've never heard any of my story, go listen to some some archive episodes and you'll hear all about it. I don't I, I've bored some people over the over the the episodes and times doing the podcast. Uh, but you know when I started off doing seminars 12 years ago, I had a lot of heart box. So I, I gave up a real estate career and I just cared deeply about personal development and serving and helping people. And as a result, it took me almost two years to make my first $1,000. Yep, you heard it right. I know. And if you're listening to this, if this is your first episode, trust me, don't worry. I am a smart guy, uh, smarter than that. But I cared so deeply for the work and for the people that I really had my eye completely off of the sales game and off of the money side of things. I'd already made my money in real estate. This was like my give back. But it took me a couple of years, and then I went to the other side. I went to the far side. This is before I met Charlotte and Jesse, and they set me straight. And I went into the sales box, and I pushed way too hard, right? I was like I had a, a, a story to overcome every obstacle. And if you sat down with me at the end of a seminar, there was no chance you were getting out without signing up for something. And I pride myself that today... I believe that me and the team at Evolution, we found a really good, uh, a good balance between those two, and I credit, um, I credit that balance to Jesse and Sharla. So I, I give credit where credits due. Um, the biggest thing I learned in my sales game and my company is the the balance between the heart box and the sales box. So Jesse and Sharla teach some really great stuff around essentially how to attract clients without being salesy. And that's what this interview is. Enough of my braggadociousness. Um, listen to the interview at the end. You're going to uh, find out how you can get a copy of their book, The Art of Attracting Clients, completely and totally free. Um, and I certainly hope you enjoy getting to know my friend Sharla Jacobs as much as I've uh, enjoyed having her and her husband in my life. Enjoy the interview. Ah, we're back. I am so, so excited uh, to sit down a little bit more long form with you. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I was telling some of the people um, as we're getting ready for this, this podcast that, you know, I've known you and your husband, Jesse, for years. We see each other pretty 
consistently, you know, at least a few times throughout the year. And, but it's always at a live event. It's always for another reason, right? And just to be able to sit down a little bit and kind of get into you, I'm really, really excited about. So Charlotte, welcome to the pod. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. And um, yeah, it's a little interesting that all of these times that we've seen each other and all of these conversations that we've had, that we haven't actually got to sit down and have tea and and learn a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I hear you have your tea. Is that right? I do. I'm actually doing a, a hot cacao drink today. So a hot cacao drink. Cacao, you know, what, what's in cacao. hot cacao? Just well, this, I call cacao? it hot chocolate. It's, um, it, and this is for all of you who want to join us for tea. It's a uh, raw cacao collagen powder and then a little monk fruit, which is a natural sweetener that has no sugar. So wow. it tastes like to me, to me, because I haven't had you know hot chocolate with real sugar and I don't know how long. It tastes <laughs> like hot sugar. chocolate to me, but it's like it's like when I want a little boost, like I want that that zing from uh, what would be coffee, but instead uh, of coffee. Hey, so monk fruit and rocket. So the, and that leads <laughs> us right into this is the the environment we are in. Um, I know you've been you've been really into for obviously for years with a background in Chinese medicine, and you work with a ton of coaches and healers and. You're in that transformative space that you have been for so long. Did you grow up that way? What, what was it like, like as a kid? Did you? I don't know. I see a lot of kids nowadays are hanging around these entrepreneur conferences. They're you know nine years old, going on Facebook Live, talking about rock a cow and stuff. Were you? What, what were you like as a little girl? What was life like? Definitely not growing up in an entrepreneurial household at all. My mom was an an admin, you know, secretary, admin, receptionist in that world. My father was a bartender. So I grew up in a blue collar household and with a lot of lack, a lot of, we can't afford this. We can't afford that. My parents divorced when I was young. So single mother and, um, and home alone a lot, you know, walking home from school at eight years old and mom didn't come home until five 30. So so you had that like three hour window by yourself, like a lot of kids have now. A lot of TV. I was raised by the television. <laughs> what was your favorite show as a kid? Do you remember oh, uh, afternoon good shows? Question. Good question. Um, I think, you know, MTV was relatively new. So I'll divulge my age now, right? Like MTV came out when I was a child. <laughs> and, and and so that was a really exciting thing to watch after school. Wow. And, and I'll, I'll bet you... Uh, with with a with a helicopter parent, you wouldn't be watching a lot of MTV. So no. lucky you. Yeah, I was really fortunate. I mean, I got that independence. <laughs> Funny enough, though, that we're a little helicopter with our kids now. We're like mm-hmm. full on attachment parenting. You know, we are like kind of hippie parents, bed sharing, all of that stuff. And, yeah. You know, our kids. I mean, I I I nursed until my kids were three, and yeah. So I kind of hey, swung that, that, that other that direction, that. right? Like. And, and my kids are the kids that, you know, the entrepreneur kids, they're not doing Facebook lives because we don't do media with them, but they are the ones that are at soccer camp being like, is that watermelon organic? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, hey, you know, another, I mean, you know, bed sharing, the, the you know, the whole thing, like Zachary, 30 now? Zachary's like 30 now. Zach no, is, kidding. yeah, Zach is, uh, he just turned seven and Jacob's about oh. to turn 10. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe seven and 10 already. I know. It's incredible. We just came back from my nephew's this morning, his sixth grade graduation. And it's crazy. Like my, my parents, are, they're grandbabies now. The oldest one is graduating sixth grade. And, and then amazing. my son Val, is uh, he turned seven in March. So he's finishing up first grade right now. Oh my gosh. Well, that means that Zach and uh, 
And Val would have been in the same class if we lived close. Isn't that crazy? But you yeah. were in Santa Cruz. We Did are. you grow up in the Bay Area? No, I grew up in Orange County. I think that you and I have talked about this. So I, I was born I, in Newport Beach. How can I forget I, such a thing? Yeah, I grew up in Fullerton and Placentia. So I am uh, a Valencia Tiger, you know, from yeah. <laughs> good old Orange County. And uh, I'll be honest with you, though. Like, I mean, I go to Orange County now, and, and maybe it's the community that I have. I meet, you know, I have friends that are there and I love it when I go down there now. There's a mm -hmm. sense of home for me, but growing up, I really felt like there was some, there was depth missing. I used to joke about it being all about uh, fake boobs and Coors Light, you know, fast cars. And that, and you know, my reality growing up in Orange County in the, you know, 80s and uh, so I graduated in high school in 1990 was it felt very superficial and shallow to me. Right. Uh, and, and I wanted to get out. I wanted to go someplace where I didn't have to always put myself together to leave the house. You know, I hear, living here in Santa Cruz and I'm a mom, I'm in my jeans and yoga pants with a hat, no hair, makeup, nothing, which I really, <laughs> most like of the time I really hate it, right? But in, you know, when I grew up, it's like you didn't leave the house without putting yourself together. And there's a lot about looking good that was frustrating for me. Like I was just craving some depth. I don't have that same experience with my friends that live in OC now. And I think it has to do with community and transformation. And, you know, we're all evolving all over the world now. Um, so I think some things have changed, but sure up there, I, I couldn't wait to leave, except I really did love going to Disneyland several times a year. That was <laughs> So I, I grew up in Orange County, obviously, and I still live here right now. And, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes from Disneyland. I think, I, I don't know if I actually went as a kid once. Oh my gosh. My mom used to take us out of school. So my mom, you know, single mom struggling, but uh, like but a lot of hard times. Disneyland so tickets. She did take me to Disneyland four to five times a year and she would take me out of school to do it. So she's, she's a fun grandma now and she was a fun mom back then. That is epic. Now, did you, did you go to college right after high school or what, what was your after high school plan? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, growing up in a, in a blue collar household, there, the money wasn't there. Right. So I went to community college at Fullerton college uh, yep. for, for four years. And then I transferred to UCSC and I actually was accepted to every college that I had applied for, but I wanted to come to Santa Cruz because I wanted to see what it would be like. I thought being a hippie would mean there'd be a lot more depth there. <laughs> so, so I so chose to UC Santa Cruz. And, and then I, so I basically took seven years to get my bachelor's and, um, and I'm still here in Santa Cruz today. It was in 90, four that I mm -hmm. came up here in Santa Cruz left for a couple of years to live in Palm Springs but um you know this feels like home yeah oh I, I can tell and I know um like you know where you live now didn't you you moved recently yeah we just we bought a house in December 2016 so we live in yeah. Felton we live in the mountains this adorable little mountain town in Santa Cruz and um, we have an acre here and um yeah, just love it. The, I mean, we do a lot of driving. You know, when you live up in the mountains, you get to get- You drive to everything. You drive to everything. Everything is 20 minutes away. Um, and the kids go to school 25 minutes away. So we work from home and commute to school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's great. It's beautiful. It's sunny here. And, um, you know, in Santa Cruz, you, if you want to live near the ocean, you want to buy, you know, a million dollar house, you're going to have a tiny little cottage, basically. But if you want to have a bigger house, you got to live in the out in the- out in the woods. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I haven't been there yet, but I've seen like, you know, the photos and, and, and video when you're back at the house. And it's just a gorgeous view, unbelievably peaceful, I can imagine. Um, you got to enjoy that. Did uh, when you when you land in Santa Cruz, you said it felt like home. Uh, did you ever explore around kind of other areas in the Bay Area? Or like once you went to um, University of Santa Cruz, you just knew you were going to end up there? 
You know, I didn't. I, um, I mean, I did love Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz is one of these funny places that as soon as you get here, you notice that people actually talk about where they live. Like they, people talk about Santa Cruz a lot. Like there's this funny vortex here that's going on. And in my growing up, starting here in college and being a, you know, business owner and community leader at this point and all of the different, you know, my evolution along that path, um, it's been interesting to see different communities and what their thoughts are about Santa Cruz. Um, when I first got here, I actually was a bartender. I mean, I partied my way through college like crazy, right? Um, and I, seven, I, seven years is the lucky <laughs> year, you know? <laughs> I sometimes say I like I don't drink anymore, and it's just my health can't handle it. Um, but sometimes I just tell people a joke of I drank enough in my twenties to last a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> like I still Wilder know how to party. It just doesn't look like that. Uh, so you know that that community of like. Uh, working in and in a dive bar here in Santa Cruz was like the most popular dive bar all cute young girls or the bartenders and hearing that conversation about Santa Cruz versus what people say now living you know going to the Santa Cruz Waldorf school and being right. a very conscious community like parents who really care about their parenting they really care about the food they feed their kids they you know the environment and, and, you know, and then there's the political conversations and just those different communities. So it's been very fascinating. It's been, it feels like four different lifetimes in the 20 some years I've been here. I can imagine. I feel like, like Santa Barbara is a lot like that too. A lot of those coastal cities where uh, Boulder, Colorado, I lived in Boulder for a little bit. And it's like, you either have like that, that college Boulder university vibe, right. or you're not in that at all. And you're like, Hey, I live in the foothills. I hang out with my three dogs. I recycle everything. And I have, you know, homemade sandals and like right. <laughs> <laughs> one or the other. Right. So, so when you were bartending, did you, I'm just curious, did you ever have any like dreams of, okay, well, once I get out of bartending or I finish school, what'd you go to school for? So I have a biology degree. And did you think you were going to do a career in that? Or did you think I got to do something? I did. I, um, you know, I changed a lot. So I had an original intention of doing dietetics, like diet, you know, there wasn't holistic health wasn't even a conversation in the nineties. Right. So that's what I thought. And then I got interested in, um, in marine biology and had a, you know, it's part of the reason why I went to UC Santa Cruz thoughts that thought that that was what I was going to do for a living all through school. But I have to tell you that, um, you know, just some of the choices I made in college, you know, where a lot of other kids were doing internships and really thinking about their future. I wasn't, I was getting by day to day and partying a little too hard to pay attention. So, um, and it was that last quarter of my, um, you know, my undergrad where I was, doing some, this is so funny because the irony of it is going to blow you away, but I um, did some work out in the field with elephant seals and then realized that what I thought was going to be me living on a boat scuba diving and, you know, doing all this amazing work actually meant a lot of time in the computer, on the computer. Right. And, and it was like, I don't want to sit in front of a computer all the time. And so here's the irony, irony of it is that now, you know, how much time do we spend in front of our computers? I spend a lot of time in front of my computer. Literally right now we're in front of our computers. <laughs> all the time. And I'm doing, and I, and the, one of the things I hated about it was the writing. And I write all the time now. I mean, my preference would, is to be on stage or to be on camera. I definitely have that part of me that there's, you know, Dharma here. There's like meant to be. Um, but I, and and that's part of why the being a bartender was so good for me. I got to basically have my own stage all the time, but I didn't realize that was why it was such a good fit. You no, know, I, I, I've 
I, I know you have quite a, a performer bug in you. Um, where, when did you start? Cause like, you know, obviously speaking is from the heart, but it's also, there's a performance art to like your stage time. And I can always see right. that with you, right? You're very um, aware that you're in front of the crowd and yet you can still connect. But I've also seen you like at, at the uh, amazing joint venture retreats that you put on for transformational leaders every year. I, I'm blessed to be able to be on the guest list and attend. Um, it's been a blast every year. Um, you also do these really cool, like, um, what, do you, what do we call those? Not a skill show, a talent show. And, and I, I watch you do like talent-y stuff. And uh, there's a dance background, right? Do you have, when did you start kind of in the performance world? Was it, again, as a little girl? Was it? Uh, throughout school or was it more recent? Probably age three. I, I know my mom put me in a, my first dance class, probably at age three or four. Wow. And grew up dance Did you class. love it right away or did you do loved it? Right it. Loved, loved it. it. I, dance is um, one of my greatest passions in the world. It's, um, it's one of the things that I love more than anything. And, and it's funny because, you know, at our live events, we found a way, and I think this is for anybody, if you're ever going to do live events, you have to incorporate the thing you're most passionate about into your live events. And for me, it was dancing. And so we actually do a lot of dance breaks and keep people, you know, you got to be, you got to have an embodied learning experience. If you're going to be sitting in a live event from 9am until 630, you know, if you think about sitting in a classroom like that, you'd be bored to tears, right? But sure. we, so we do a lot of uh, dance breaks and uh, warm, you call them warm ups, but it's a way to really get us in our bodies. So I'm really glad that we've gotten to incorporate that into our work. And that's just a thing that you've always loved and you're probably always, always going to love. Forever. I mean, I wanted to be Madonna when I was, you know, in seventh grade. I mean, anybody that was Everyone. in the seventh grade at my age at that time wanted to be Madonna. So <laughs> she was, I mean, the material girl, she's the yeah. best. <laughs> so you, uh, so you've always been doing that to an extent. When did you transition from, I want to do biology to how in the world did you get into Chinese medicine and, and um, you did acupuncture, right? Yeah. And yes. all of that kind of world. What, what was the transition like? The transition was, I, so I got my undergrad and um, long story short, I ended up in Palm Springs with my dad for a couple of years, kind of trying to figure out what the heck am I going to do next? You know, I had looked at some graduate school programs to get a master's degree in biology and was looking at going to like Oregon University, University of Oregon. I don't remember at the time it was ducks. I know that. Oregon and ducks. Yeah. Oregon ducks. All right. And, um, and I, I had a friend that was living in Palm Springs who had just recently graduated from five branches university here in, in, um, in Santa Cruz. We connected, somehow somebody introduced us because we were both from Santa Cruz. So we connected on that cultural Santa Cruz level. I kind of felt like an outcast and like a mismatch in Palm Springs, although the hiking mm -hmm. is great out there. And I was like super fit because that's it all I did great. was work out. There's <laughs> like nothing else for me to do except for party and work out. Yeah. Um, five branches, that's a, a traditional Chinese medicine school, right? It is, yeah. Okay. And so this friend, Rob, he, um, I, you know, I met him and he had just graduated from that and he, he gave me my first acupuncture treatment and he talked to me about acupuncture and I already had been obsessed with health and with nutrition and that was the thing that drove me to get into science in the first place. And I just had this aha that when I, when I understood a little bit about what acupuncture was about, there was this work about the five elements that was a fascinating way to understand people and their motivations and their constitutional issues with both uh, emotional body everything i was fascinated by the system of the five elements and then i realized that here was this way that 
it was about actually being, you know, the bedside manner thing about being present with another human being about connecting with people. And I already had that because of my background in service and, you know, the service restaurant industry. And it felt like a really good match. And then to, to take, you know, on top of that, I had a science background. So I already had all the prereqs because, you know, I had a biology degree. So it required a lot of memorization. I was a really good student. So it just felt like this perfect match of taking all these parts of my life and spirituality, which never worked in the science community at that time. It took all these parts of me and felt like, wow, this is the next thing. And I've kind of felt like that in my life, that there's always this, wow, this is the next thing that there's been, my mom used to say I was going through a phase all the time. I was always going through phases. <laughs> You're still in a phase. I'm still in a phase. I'm in the, I'm in the workshop business phase. I've been here for 14 plus years. Yeah. <laughs> but that, um, it was that way of really kind of taking all of these things that felt like they were a core part of who I was and finding a career. And so it seemed like the right next best step for me until um, you know, I got through the the uh, sort of the licensing program was uh, really really challenging. It's like taking the bar exam, so mm. I got my license, and um, and I, then I also discovered coaching while I was in the middle of it. Oh, perfect! <laughs> you know, so I was in the middle of my acupuncture license, and a friend of mine goes to a transformational workshop. She comes back so changed. I go, "What's that? I want to go." And uh, that completely changed my life. That's actually, I met Jesse at a transformational workshop, if you can believe that. I, I, I wanted to get to that in a second. So when did you and, and your husband, Jesse, meet? We met in, um, okay, so we all remember September 11th. We met mm -hmm. in November that year, 2000. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, where people were very present to what was going on in the world and the, the fear and the you know, like the possibility that can come out of that deep human connection that people were starting to have with each other because of the trauma that everybody had suffered. Absolutely. What, what was the transformational workshop about? Was it like just a personal development-y thing? Was it? Yeah, like personal development rocked my world. I mean, there's no way that Jesse and I would be doing what we do if we hadn't gone through that. Uh, you know, we went through about a year of the programs there doing personal development work, um, really diving into the way, you know, the meaning of life, the way human beings work and yeah. the questions we ask ourselves and the stories we tell ourselves and um, through actually starting to deconstruct those stories that I had lived with and, and had run me, you know, had like run my life. Um, that was a big change. And I actually met a dear friend while I was in that program that introduced me to the coach training program. So I, mm -hmm. I did my coaching certification while I was studying for my, my acupuncture board exams. So it's a little bit of a Might as well do them crazy. at the same time. Just get it all done. Just, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of overwhelm. It's just um, <laughs> been kind of a way I've run my life. And are you, two dating well are you two dating at this point? Yeah. So we were dating and um, so we met in this event in September. So we met in November and mm. then we started hanging out in January. He had just moved to Santa Cruz. So I grabbed this Midwestern boy because he was a boy at the time. I grabbed this Midwestern boy, right? He, and new to Santa Cruz. And we were just friends for quite a while. And then we had this funny thing where we would, we would hook up, like we'd get together. And then the next day he'd be like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I just want to be friends. But then he'd call me like four times that next day. And then he'd be coming over and sleeping on my couch. 
so we like couldn't stay away from each other and it was kind of a funny thing but then in in march of uh 2012 he moved in and it was just supposed to be a temporary thing and that's kind of the rest was history <laughs> wow how, how, how when did you know that uh he was the guy you know, I had, this is kind of, maybe it'll sound crazy to you, but I do get a very clear, like intuitive, strong hit on things sometimes. And when he came to my door, we had barely known each other and we'd had, you know, some little electric moments when we were at these workshops together, but not, not anything super significant. But he came to my door one day and I opened the door and I swear I heard the voice of God say, this is your husband. Wow. And I thought, are this you kidding? This is the first time he came not, to your door? No, not the first time. This is at another time. This is like a few, you know, we had only been friends for a few weeks. And he was so not my type. So it was just like, I mean, I had dated bad boys my whole life. And he was like a nice guy, you know. He dressed really differently, listened to different music. Like, yeah, let's be honest. Like, he, he tries to get into that, like, bad boy mode. And he just, he nice I love guy. Jesse, man. He's he, a good, he's a he's good a man. very sweet dude. He is. He's a really good yeah. man. And, yeah. um, you know, not to say we haven't had our relationship challenges. And, you know, we've all have that work we have to do with our partners. But um, he's a good man. And I, I feel really blessed. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a cool story too. Just to hear, you know, to hear the audible voice and, and, and just to know, and did, did he know at the same time or no, it took him, you tell so him long to commit to me. Uh, <laughs> we had this funny thing. So, so he moved in, in March because he lost his apartment that he was living in and he, and it's so expensive to live here in Santa Cruz, like for college students and young people, it's so hard. Um, but he moved in with me and it was supposed to be a temporary thing. Um, and we just kind of stayed connected and couldn't, like, we couldn't seem to separate, but we had this back and forth. It was, you know, pretty tumultuous in the beginning. And he really had a hard time being in a committed relationship with me. Um, but you know, one point he said, okay, fine, I commit to you. But there was still like a, he always had one foot out the door. Like, you know, it's like one foot in, one foot out. He could have been gone in an hour, left his stuff in boxes. And we went to a, um, a retreat at the Ojai Foundation. You might know it in Ojai, California. Mm -hmm. Love that place. Um, and we went to this retreat where we did a sweat and we had a vision quest. And during the vision quest, I had a moment of just really letting go of attachment to whether it worked out with us or not. I was so heartbroken and distraught over the constant, like, oh, you know, back and forth. And are we going to, you know, all of that. Um, and then when we ended up in our circle to process how things had gone, he had a moment and probably it was at the same moment of, of like clear commitment to me. Like he was tired of the back and forth. So I let go of attachment in that moment. And then we got back to the circle and we did the, hey, we're going to be married for a year and a day. And the year and the day, we have no idea when that ever ended. So that was, oh. it did take him about five, um, about five years to actually, or four and a half years to propose to me. And so, four and a half so, years. so we were, we were together for many, many years before he finally proposed to me. So and how we long got, have you been together total now? Um, let's see. We, so we well, were- what, like early like, 2002? Like um, yeah, so we were together in early 2002. Yeah. So you're 16 years? 16 years. We got married in 2007. Ah, that's mm -hmm. beautiful. I love mm -hmm. that. Um, well, what a uh, what an awesome couple, an awesome example, uh, the two of you, or the four of you, really, um, to see the, the family growing. It's just absolutely outstanding. Now, was Jesse... Because I know you, you have some interesting story around the holistic practitioner work. So you now are a licensed uh, acupuncturist. You're a certified uh, life coach, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And what, what's Jesse doing at this point? Well, so, you're doing all this. What, what, what's he in the middle of? Okay. So Jesse always knew he wanted to do workshops. 
Like he okay. envisioned himself sitting in a circle, you know, with doing kumbaya and I'm, I'm, you know, exaggerating here, but um, not, not much. No, I mean, you know, he was very deeply spiritual when we met and, you know, the personal development thing for him, it was very exciting. It's just kind of his thing. He'd go to all kinds of little workshops. For me, it was the first thing I, I had ever done, except I did live it as a monastery as a Buddhist monk for a little while before that. But oh. um, just, <laughs> just you know, a little aside there. <laughs> um, uh, that, and so he, you know, he had had that vision. I had no vision of being in front of people in that way. I mean, even though I had been a performer my entire life, mm -hmm. the idea of speaking in public didn't, um, it didn't inspire me or appeal to me. Um, I felt so self-conscious. It's part of what I got over in all that personal development work was this idea I don't know, lots of ideas about how the world was and what was wrong with me. And, um, and so as part of that program, we did a workshop series together. He was really into working with teens at the time when we met. And, um, and then we were also doing our coaching certification about the same time. So Jesse actually had his life coach work that he was doing. Um, you know, I graduated from acupuncture school, got my license, got my certification and he tried to get clients and he just, he pretty much fell on his face and had to get a job pretty quickly. I had this, like, I am not going to go back to, you know, being a server. I'm, I'm right. not, I, I, I've just spent so much of my life. I finally found the thing I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do no matter, you know, whatever it takes, I'm going to find a way to make this work. I don't necessarily recommend that for everybody. For some people, it makes sense to just like, if you know that you're that like super determined you're going to do whatever it takes kind of person, then fine. You find a way you make it work uh, for a lot of people. It makes sense to have a job and kind of take their time with it. Um, but I, Amen. so, you know, but I, so I thought, okay, I'm going to start my practice. I'm going to jump out. I'm going to do it. And um, it took me about five or six weeks to realize that I knew nothing about sales and marketing. I knew nothing about what it was going to take to build a practice, having an office and a business card was not going to get me clients. Well, isn't that such a chip trip that, I mean, we still see it today, obviously in your business, we're going to get to some right. of that as well, but it's so prevalent. You look at every, and even and like, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. Like my school, right? Our training center, I really center around NLP training, coach certification training. And it's, it's like, but I've decided to really dig into, we're going to train the skill sets to make you the best possible coach you could be, the best possible practitioner you could be or speaker or whatever it is. But almost none of them, right, have, it's, it's not a business school. And it's the same for acting. It's the same for, you know, almost really any art or any modality that way. Medical school, they don't teach about how to get clients, how to do billing, how to, they don't, right? Nothing. And, and all of us walk out thinking, I did the exact same thing. I'm going to be a life coach now. And I did my NLP certifications. And I, two years later, I made $900. I'm living my buddy's trailer. <laughs> my, my listeners have, have heard my story at nauseum, but right. you no, know, but like it, it took me two years and I made $900. I had three clients, two were free. So I had, I had one paying client and, and it's just, we don't learn those skills. So you have, and, and nobody says, Hey, by the way, you're getting this whole education in this modality. You're mm -hmm. investing tens of thousands of dollars in some case. You know, for me, um, acupuncture school, I, I graduated with like $80,000 in student loans. Nowadays, the kids are graduating with $250,000 in student loans. Right. And nobody, no is, no, nobody is telling them, you're going to go work at Kaiser and get a job doing acupuncture. Uh, you know, you might make $60,000 a year doing that. 
Um, and if you want to learn how to grow your business, you actually have to learn how to get clients. You, you, you have to learn how to run your business. And, and there is that, okay, the overwhelm enough of just figuring out how to do your books and kind of get your ducks in a row and paperwork. I mean, that stuff by itself is overwhelming. Yeah. And, and, but the reality is that the, probably the biggest overwhelm is around learning how to sell and having to get over all of those beliefs about selling being a sleazy thing, about yeah. um, being a bad person if you are selling anything. Like right. it's, it, there's so much there. And, you know, you had said something about that you're just, you know, training people to be coaches, but you know, you're digging into those beliefs. So they're getting mm -hmm. some of that work. Um, we have found that in order for somebody to be successful in business, they need both a combination of really un, you know, uncollapsing and un, like deconstructing those beliefs that are in yeah. the way about being a bad person if you're selling, um, about that selling has to be manipulative, about all those things that you assume are true, but they are stories. They are not true. Um, I sell stuff all the time and I feel great about it. I, I believe in our work and um, I don't ever think I'm a bad person for doing that. When I first started, I, I did. Yeah. So, you know, to get through those beliefs and to have the tools and the templates and to get that personal coaching, like, the, you know, to customize things and to support you. It's, it's really, it, it's like if you're going through any modality, you just have to plan that you have to get business training after. And then the yep. question is, who is your mentor going to be? Mm-hmm. Now I didn't know that, <laughs> you know, so, so I had flyers and business cards and told my friend who was a cabbie and everybody else that I knew, which um, I, I, knew want you tell, I want you to tell this quick story too, because you have a, um, a phenomenal uh, story about your business card. Um, so what did you call yourself when you first, like you graduated and you were out doing acupuncture and life coaching? What was the title you, you gave yourself that you knew would sell? Yeah. So I'll tell you, um, I, and I don't know about you, but for anybody who discovers coaching, right? It's like this huge ah, moment, right? Like, yeah. I have found the thing and, and you get into this like deep heart and soul work that like transforms people's life and it's so rich and juicy. And yes. then there's like, what do you call it? Right? So I spent hours with different coach friends trying to figure out what to call myself. Cause I was doing this acupuncture and coaching thing and I wanted to combine them. And I felt like I was creating this brand new modality and I could Never have seen myself, like, done. you know, just, I could have seen myself like being flown all over the world to work with really high level people. And, you know, that's Obviously. the way I wanted to make a difference right behind the scenes at this time. And I remember being on the, um, on the phone with a friend who was a coach and it was like, I finally had the download, you know, like I had like tingles all over my body and I was so excited and I was going to call myself a transformational acupuncturist. A transformational acupuncturist. We were so excited. However, that sounds amazing. <laughs> what is that? What is that? It sounds well to you. It might sound amazing, but to most people back then, it sounded scary. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to stick needles in me and turn me into a bunny? Or <laughs> a bunny? She says. I don't know. You know. It, what am I going to transform into? What are you going to get transformed into? You're going to stick needles in me. <laughs> So, and that's so, the thing is that we get so excited about our modality that we think we're going to go talk about it like that and people are just going to come. And, and it's a really extremely disappointing slap in the face to yeah. put yourself out there with something you're so passionate about. And it's, it's a huge mistake that a lot of new coaches and holistic practitioners make is they're trying so hard to make their what do you do statement 
something or, you know, how they talk about what they do in a way that defines their identity. Yeah. When the reality is that there's never going to be a way to fully describe what you do in one sentence. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at our client attraction summit, that's the, the live three day event that Jesse and I put on and we've had, um, you know, I, over 8,500 people come at this point wow. um, over the past 13 plus years. Um, we actually spent a lot of work, you know, spent a lot of time working on that. What do you do statement? How do you actually talk about what you do in a way that people really get what you have to offer and they want to work with you. They want to have a further conversation. So yeah, that was a big mistake I made back in the day. So did, did you change the name right away or did you go after it for a while and, and just like scare people? Like how, how did that go down? You know, um, so I have an interesting story here that, um, Back in those times when I was trying to build my practice, I was, you know, that no matter what, whatever it takes. Uh, so I, I hired somebody. I actually met somebody who's a mentor to people who are new in business. And he and he's still a friend today, um, and great guy. And he promised me that if I did the homework he was going to give me, that I would triple my income in within 90 days. Now, I was kind of barely squeaking by at around $1,800 a month when I hired him. And I actually had to borrow the money from Jesse at the time because he charged $600 a month. So I borrowed the money from Jesse so I could hire him. We got started. When he told me what the homework was, I almost fell off my seat, like in order to guarantee that I would triple my income. Yes. It was to have 20 conversations for business five days a week. So 100 sales conversations every week. I mean, even if you were terrible, I can't <laughs> imagine not right. tripling, right? You might do all right. So it was a lot of learning on the field, you know, just being out there in the world, you know, in my community, I went to every networking event you can go to. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little, uh, uh, more mature now, but back in those days, I always felt like I was the youngest person there. I had all this insecurity about how am I going to coach somebody and help them in their life at my age. And, and, you know, this acupuncture stuff I just started. And did did you end up doing much acupuncture or did you kind of gravitate early on as you were figuring this out more into the coaching kind of transformational side of things? Most of my acupuncture clients, I mean, I'll be honest with you, in those days, I kind of took what I could get. So I had a few acupuncture clients that I would see at the $60 an hour session, right? Mm -hmm. But um, most of my clients that came in for acupuncture were a combination of coaching and acupuncture. Yeah. And it's because that's what I wanted to do. I was able to charge more. It was more fulfilling for me. I was able to use this work around the five elements to, um, it's, you know, very deeply spiritual system. And I was able to really do that deeper work with people. So that's what appealed to me. Um, and you know, I, and I really struggled. I mean, I was barely getting by and, and then I had this huge epiphany, this life changing epiphany. I asked myself this incredible question when I was in the process of being in this program with my friend who was, who told me I'd triple my income if I had a hundred sales conversations a week. Um, and by the way, honestly, I had about 12 and, um, a day instead of 12 a day, uh, 12 a day. So I would, you know, I go, it was, I mean, I would go to a networking event and there'd be seven other people at the table and I'd stand up and talk about what I did. And that would count as seven. So it was like gotcha. on my little tick marks or following up with people. You know, I followed up with everyone. Um, and, and I just stayed in action and he, he coached me and gave me some support, but a lot of it was just being out there in, with people and discovering what worked and didn't work. But this question that I asked myself, it, it changed my life, not only because of what it did for my practice back then, but because of the trajectory it put me on. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, what if the five elements, the same five elements I was talking about that are Chinese medicine that got me into that work, what if the five elements are present in sales conversations too? 
It's a, it's a huge, and, and I wanted to actually kind of pivot into that is because um, I love, uh, you've given me a copy of your book. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, the Art of Attracting Clients that you and Jesse have written. Um, and in your book, you, you cover in, in pretty good depth what these different five elements are. And the first time I heard about it was from you. Um, and I mean, I started implementing it right away. I remember I sat and, and I don't know if you remember this, but when we first started like partnering together, I came and I, I attended the first day of your client attraction summit. And yes. I figured, well, let me sit in the first day and just kind of check this thing out. And you had a really nice little table, very grateful for like speakers or for friends or whatever it was. Right. I was, so I was kind of off to the side for a minute, just kind of watching and within, I mean, the first section, I'm pulling out my own personal notebook and I'm just like, and I'm just enthralled and I feel like, like this brand new student who knows nothing. It was, it was awesome. And you got into these, these five elements and I realized some of those, um, and I wish we'd get into all of them, but I, I want to kind of ask you about my favorite one, uh, which is water. Mm. And like, for me, when I heard you kind of talk about water, I, I realized, oh, that's what I've been doing. Uh, so, so I use it in my own sales conversation still to this day, which is understanding that in each one of these ways of being sort of like a, approaches to people, we're usually far off on one extreme or the other side, right? Like we're either a wishy-washy or we're too strong, and, but can, you can describe that a lot better than I can. So can we talk about water a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I'll just say this, that when I actually asked myself that question, it was like, I had this download of this whole system, right? Mm -hmm. That we still teach to this day. It's one of the things we're known for the five elements of heart selling. Yes. Uh, I say heart selling, not hard selling. <laughs> hard selling. <laughs> Nobody wants to do hard selling, right? It's like what everybody's afraid of. So um, this is all about selling from your heart and being authentic and genuine mm -hmm. in your conversations and leaving everybody in a better place. I started doing that. I started using this model I had downloaded and uh, people started saying, yes, they started referring. And within, you know, within actually 30 days of me starting to use that system, I did actually triple my practice. So I did my, my coach friend actually got, you know, I, I didn't have to use the guarantee there. And, and that was really the start because a bunch of friends wanted to know, and Jesse followed suit soon after, like he went from like, you know, quit his finally quit his job. He got like five clients and then got like 16 new clients in one month. And, yeah. um, and we finally knew we were onto something and friends started asking us. So we started teaching it. I mean, I had no idea that we would end up where we are today with, you know, we've probably taught over like 60,000 people, this five elements system, mm -hmm. but let's touch on it a little bit. So, um, so each of the five elements must be present in every conversation. In our book, we go into depth in all five mm -hmm. of the elements into some of the background of Chinese medicine, why it's this way. Um, and at our client attraction summit, we actually do a lot of deep training in it where you do exercises to get these elements in your bones. Mm -hmm. and you're talking about the water element. So every element has what it looks like in balance, which is what, you know, how we are ideally um, using the element in our conversations, being the element, so to speak. Yes. It also has uh, out of balance in the sales box and out of balance in the heart box. So what is the sales box? The sales box is like being pushy, manipulative, obnoxious, like mm -hmm. uh, having a strong agenda, asking leading questions, things of that nature, where the heart box is um, really being so concerned about being liked and how we're being judged and perceived that we're, and you know, and it's like, we're so nice, everybody likes you, but you're giving away lots of free sessions and people aren't saying yes. So what we need to do is we need to come into balance between the heart box and the sales box where we can have heart and we can be effective with sales. So good. You know, effective with enrollment, we call it heart selling. And this is not about pushing people into 
um, something that's not right for them. This is actually about helping someone discover what they want most. Mm -hmm. And if what you have to offer is a good match to support them to get what they want, then it's about empowering them to say yes. So that's really the context. We call heart selling inspiring conversations that lead to action. So good. And isn't it like, would you agree that inspiring conversation leads to action is, is the overarching theme that whether money is transacted or not, right? This is really, to me, what selling always is. So it's when you, you have an inspiring conversation with your kids and it leads to action and now they're doing their homework. Now they're mm -hmm. making a shift or a change. So it can be, you know, inspiring a friend and then they take action to change their diet. And, but in the business context, money should transact. Otherwise it's not business. Right. Absolutely. Um, but would you agree that like that is ultimately what sales is? And if you can wrap your mind or let go of the, the idea of sales is only about convincing someone to do something it's really about inspiring conversations, no matter what the context is, and it should always lead to action. So if it's business, what's the action? What's the next step? Yeah, and the action is, is either a next step, we're gonna continue our conversation because this isn't the right place and time to mm -hmm. go deep. Um, and you know, and the thing is that we've worked with you know, thousands and thousands of coaches and holistic practitioners. And so uh, you know, when you're doing transformational work, the nature of the work is deep. You, it's intimate, it's vulnerable for your clients to, your potential clients to consider working with you. You're yeah. not often gonna finish that conversation at a party, right? So sometimes it is the next step, like you know. Yeah, um, you pull out an enrollment form from your back pocket at the cocktail right? party. Credit <laughs> exactly. card on you? So weird, right? Um, and, and so it might be, you know, continuing the conversation. Um, the next step might be getting started. Maybe you're offering a package or a program or, you know, a consultation, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, all of those things. Um, maybe it's coming to your workshop and, uh, you know, so whatever that next step is, but maybe it's a referral. Maybe the person isn't a good match, but when you learn, mm -hmm. for example, how to describe what you do in a way that people are so compelled, they, they're thinking we have this thing we call the face roll, right? That you share what you do and someone's like, I need to, t I need to introduce you to my brother that they're, they're, that. you know, his face came to mind when you were describing what you do. That's when you know you have a really hot, what do you do statement. So whatever the next step is, it's taking that action. And, and in the case that you're in the consultation or the further conversation, depending on where it is, and they say, yes, I want to hire you. Are you able, willing to, with, with totally clean energy, to ask a question like, would you like to get started? Yeah. And if money concerns come up, are you able to hold the energetic space? Like it's really a sacred space to have these conversations where someone wants to work with you, but money is a concern. Right. And you know, I'm, we don't have enough time to get into all of it, but essentially like we train people on all of these things, um, you know, all these templates and then to get over all of the stuff that's in the way of being able to do them with full enthusiasm, with full heart, with full alignment, like the, and the key here in all of it is that you're aligned, they're aligned. Mm -hmm. And and so what you're looking for more than anything is alignment. And you're never trying to force somebody to be off of their alignment. That is uh, so, so important. And also it puts me at so much ease too, you know, so it's nice to know as a, as someone who wants to help other people and change the world and make an impact. I don't have to be worried about being this crushing, you know, always be closing salesperson, <laughs> you know, like, cause I, I always think of uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I'm kind of, I guess I'm that age and Alec right. Baldwin, you know, coffees for closers. Oh. And it's like, man, what if I just never close someone again? Mm -hmm. What if I just 
had inspiring conversations and then presented here's what you would do next if like if you're inspired about what you want to do and if it's with me then let's do it and if it's not with me and it's somewhere else then do it but no matter what you should get out there and do it you yeah i you know we've changed all of the language of sales because it, we're so conditioned to feel repulsed by the traditional language of selling overcoming objections gross who wants to do that right closing somebody i don't want to close anybody so you know instead of closing it's um it's supporting a client to commit themselves to, to themselves. It takes a little bit more to get that out, but Love that. if that's your context and your frame of mind, then you can be aligned with actually having that conversation. Well, so it, overcoming... it also describes it better too. You it know, does. In my head, I'm thinking, I'm going to support you to, to commit to yourself. Yeah. You just made a decision. So I'm going to support you in that. And Absolutely. it feels very accurate and way better. Right. And then yeah. overcoming objections you're about to say? Um, that is dance with concerns or transform concerns. People have valid concerns that right. are in the way. And if you can, again, both hold the space and then have the skill set to support that person to come to their own alignment, you would be amazed at how many times when people are just given that space and then you've got that skill set of being able to uh, have that conversation in a way that's honoring for them. Yeah. You would be amazed at how many people will say yes when they're, you know, when they actually get to explore with you. I, I love that. Charlotte, you uh, we're coming to, to the end, unfortunately, where I can't believe how much time has gone by. Um, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, hanging out with you. Uh, really, like, I mean that from my heart. Like, I, I, I just love being in your presence, spending time with you. And I'm very grateful for the time that you're sharing with us. Um, the book, everyone, is The Art of Attracting Clients. Charlotte Jacobs and her husband, Jesse Korn are the authors. Um, wh what's the next step, by the way, if, if you're inspired for this? Uh, how can people connect with you? Um, what, what should we do next? Sure, yeah. You can go to Gift from Thrive, like Thrive Academy is our company, giftfromthrive.com forward slash Matt, and that will get you a free copy. You can download a free copy of our book, The Art of Attracting Clients. And if you are inspired by what you read there and you are interested in joining my husband and I at a three-day live event called the Client Attraction Summit, there is a ticket for a full scholarship inside of the book. So giftfromthrive.com forward slash Matt. And next time we talk, wow. it's going to be all about you. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait, man. That, that's so awesome. Thank you. Uh, Cause I'm looking up, I mean, obviously it's on Amazon. It's available wherever books are sold, but uh, you can get the ebook for free. Go to again, giftfromthrive.com forward slash Matt. She's got it set up for you. And it actually comes with a scholarship to a, a workshop, which is just unbelievably phenomenal. Thank you. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, I'll, I'm going to put the link and all the links. And I'll put your website and your social media and everything up in the show notes. So just scroll around and click. Uh, and you can follow Sharla and Jesse and Thrive Academy on social media uh, and have a blast and continue that conversation with them if you feel so inspired to. Um, Sharla, final question is, as we wrap, and I, this has kind of become a signature final question of mine. If you could give the uh, a younger you, the Chinese medicine student you, advice, what would you say? And if you could change anything in your entire story, what would you change or would you leave it all the same? Mm, great question. Um, I would say it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, wow. trust, trust in God. It'll be okay. The universe has got your back. You're fine. And, um, and you know, knowing everything that I know now and what would I change with my story? I wouldn't change a thing. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Well, Sharla, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will see you soon. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye everyone. 
Hey, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Man, um, I just, every time I get a chance to sit down with Sharla um, and Jesse the same, whether they're together or independently, um, one of the things I love about them, and you'll find, especially if you if you decide to take them up uh, on this amazing gift they were offering, uh, you can get the Art of Attracting Clients book for totally free. Remember, all you got to do is go to uh, gift from thrive.com forward slash Matt. My name is M-A-T-T. Gift from thrive.com forward slash Matt. And you will get the Art of Attracting Clients book completely and totally free. It's not a it's not even a free plus shipping. It's a free ebook and it is yours right now. You can also find out how you can apply for a scholarship to go to their live event client attraction summit. And there's client attraction summits coming up uh, throughout the year. As you as this one drops, uh, the next one will be, be coming up January 18th through January 20th, 2019. Uh, just in Northern California, very easy to get to, especially if you're in the SoCal region. I know we have listeners in 75 different countries. I realize that you're coming from all over the world. But I promise you, if you're going to attend uh, one seminar this year, well, one of them should be mine for sure. If you're going to attend two seminars this year, two of them, one should be mine and one should be Jesse and Sharla Thrive Academy uh, Client Traction Summit. So what I was going to say is if you uh, decide to head up to Santa Cruz area and connect with Jesse and Sharla, you're going to find something unique in the seminar business. This is a husband and wife team. They have two lovely children who are just just shining lights. They're so amazing. And you're going to find that Jesse jumps in and does certain parts of like he'll do a lot of like breakthrough coaching with coaches and he'll do certain parts of the speaking and then Sharla jumps in and she has her brilliance kind of on on another side of the sales conversation so they both jump in and they'll do different sections of different parts it's really quite cool you know to see this team this husband and wife family come together um, and both just add tremendous value with the brilliance that they have independently and then also together um, so Charlotte, if you're listening, I just want to thank you, uh, Jesse. Thank you for being uh, being a good friend and being such a support and an amazing colleague and uh, partner of mine over the years. Really appreciate you guys. Um, I hope you get some traction from this, and I certainly hope that if you listen to this podcast, if you have not had a chance to meet Jesse and Charlotte or find out about their stuff, um, look them up. Head over again to giftfromthrive.com forward slash Matt, and we'll put all their social media in the show notes. So just scroll down. You can follow Jesse and Sharla. They also have a really cool blog on their main website, thrive-academy.com. So don't go over to thrive-academy.com unless you're really, really wanting some cool insight as a coach, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, as a service provider, and you're going to learn a ton about getting more clients, being less salesy, and making more money all around. Thanks again, Charlotte. Hope you guys have an awesome weekend. Uh, enjoy. Remember to write, uh, subscribe, write, write a review. Yeah, write a review. Make a little rating thingy on the iTunes, on the iTunes machine, and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Go back in the archives. We have a few really cool episodes. The one I put on just this last Monday, you really enjoyed. I talked about the secret to creating your goal. So if you haven't downloaded that already, um, head over back, you know, just scroll down and, and wherever you're getting this feed right now and check out Tuesday's episode, which is just a couple of days ago, about the secret to getting your goals, which is all about how to get more flexibility into your approach towards life. Um, it was a quick 11-minute episode, but very... 
very laser focused and uh, I think you'll enjoy it uh, quite a bit. All right. Have an awesome weekend. As usual, get out there, do your thing, crush it. Let me know how it goes. Find me on social media at Matt Browning. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I was going to say iTunes, of course, iTunes, but also uh, Facebook and YouTube. The podcasts go up on YouTube. And whenever we do Zoom video interviews, by the way, if you follow us at YouTube uh, slash Matt Browning, you will f- see the videos of these podcasts. So I don't mention that too often, but, you know, never too late to check it out now. All right. Have an awesome weekend. See ya.